Welcome everyone to Business Growth on Purpose. My name is Jose Palomino. I'm CEO of Value Prop Interactive. And it is my great pleasure every week to be interviewing experts from around the world, owners of other B2B businesses, and sometimes just sharing some of my personal insights from decades of helping businesses grow on purpose. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the episode. Hi, everybody. This is Jose Palomino, founder of Value Prop, and you're a host on Business Growth on Purpose. And today's guest, Tim Rohrer, is a sales manager with a lot of insight on something that's near and dear to my heart, which is the idea of mentorship. And especially if you're listening as an owner, operator, owner, CEO of a smaller or mid-market company, Maybe you're thinking, well, gee, isn't that stuff that big companies put in place, uh, mentorship programs? But it's actually very practical, very human, and very powerful, as we'll find out right now as Tim joins our show. Welcome, Tim, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thank you, Jose. It's great to be here. Yeah, Tim. So one of the things, uh, just for our audience sake, if we could just set a little context, uh, what do you do and who do you do it for mostly? And I know that's a big question because people do a lot of different things, but I just want to pick up a, a focus here uh, to start our conversation. Yeah, sure. Well, I had a 20-year career in radio advertising sales and sales management before I decided to go off on my own and try to be an entrepreneur. So I bought a money mailer franchise and moved the family from Atlanta to San Diego. And 18 months later, discovered I couldn't make enough money selling coupons to small businesses. So I had to get another job, which I did not want to do. Uh, but I ended up being an individual contributor for Cox Automotive, which is a big conglomerate that owns brands that you've heard of, like Auto Trader and Kelly Blue Book. Okay, sure. And, and other brands that are business to business that you that are big ones, but you probably haven't heard of like Viato and Vin Solutions and Xtime and Dealer.com. But it's a big, big company. And I work as a, um, as a manager. I run a team of salespeople who call on dealers from Minneapolis to Honolulu. So it's a big territory. All my salespeople are remote. And I've got a team of about eight people. And I do it from a home base. This is my home base right here. So I'm doing a lot of camera work like we're doing now. And oh, it's okay. telephones and emails and texts. And that's just my life now. Wow. And now you've also uh, written a book. I did. I wrote a book because uh, after COVID hit and we were told to stop traveling, I had a lot of time on my hands here uh, at the home office. And so I wrote a book about my mentor, Dick Harlow, and the book is called Sales Lessons of the World's Greatest Mentor. Wow. So the world's greatest mentor. I love that. That's a big, <laughs> that's a big thought. So that's let's a talk a little bit about mentorship. Because a lot of people, I think, have different ideas of what that even means. Yep. And sometimes big companies try to put programs in place. And I've been mentored uh by folks who were assigned to me, they had no choice in the matter. I had no choice of who was going to be the mentor, uh, you know, when I was in a large corporate. And, it, you know, it was all right. And I have other people who didn't have the title, but were really mentors. So right. tell us a little bit about how, what's a good way to maybe think about mentorship 
And why should it matter, especially in the context of, let's say, a smaller privately held company? Does it even is it even relevant or is that just big company stuff? Well, I think it's way more relevant to small to medium sized businesses than it is to big companies. So I work for a big company. We have a mentorship program. I'm a mentor to two people right now. And, you know, we schedule a time and we meet via camera and we talk about things and that's great. Right. And that's very helpful. And I, I applaud the company for for doing it. But the best mentorships are far more personal. Right. And the way to think of it, I believe, is as a coach. So think about the best coaches you've ever had. Those are your mentors, right? People who took an interest in you, people who had more skills, more experience than you, and they were interested in imparting some of their wisdom to you. And I just picture a person who puts their arm around your shoulder and says, listen, here's how you could have done that differently. Here's how you're going to get a better result going forward. And now let's go do it right? Claps you on the back and sends you off, but they stay around, right? They're nearby in case you need them, but they allow you space to grow. And then you come together for the occasional teaching and lessons. And, you know, that's, that's really what mentorship is. It's a personal coach who takes an interest in you and your life. Now, isn't that what your manager is supposed to do for you though? Ideally, that would be great, right? But we've all had situations where our manager was not that person for us. And you know, to expect every manager to be a mentor to every one of their people just sort of defies the way human nature works. We don't all click with each other. We don't all love each other. And we can't all be coaches and mentees and mentors to each other because of that reason. So it really is beholden on the student to go out and find that coach, right? Find that person who can help them. And I guess there's a, a very old saying that when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Well, that's okay. true, I think, but it also helps for the student to go out and seek some, some coach, you know, a person who can help them. Right. But if I'm, you know, let's say I'm a small company owner, I got 30 people working for me. Yeah. Everybody knows their job. They know what they need to do. Do I really have to be concerned about, especially my younger team, having mentors and being mentees? And is everyone really a good candidate to be a mentee? I think everybody's a good candidate to be a mentee, especially if they're under age 30. So a person who is young is by nature uh, not experienced, right? They can't possibly have as much wisdom as a person who's older because not enough things have happened to them yet. And so you want to help it. You want to accelerate their growth and help them understand the things that are going on around them, especially in the workforce for younger people, because it's a new environment for them. And, you know, the environment in the workforce today is so different than it was 10 years ago, even uh, dramatically different. Right. With with people coming in or not coming into the office, there's a lot more social distancing, even though the pandemic is officially over. You know, there is a lot more separation today. And so coaching and mentoring is is even more important than it ever has been. Uh, and that's especially true for, for young people. And yes, when I was in my 20s, you know, I thought I knew it all, Jose. But the fact of the matter is, when you run into somebody who knows a lot more than you and can teach you some things and put some things in the context, you learn faster and better. Now, I've heard uh, from folks, so usually somebody maybe more my generation, but saying it that 
you know, these young people don't want mentors because they do know it all and uh, they're different than prior generations. What's been your experience? My experience is that is that while people that people may present a, a harder outer shell, you know, uh, I do think that some of the younger people today do want to provide an air of confidence that belies an inner uh, anxiety. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that I think that mentors, people with wisdom, people with experience, people who want to coach young people, I think they should just be present and be available for when the time comes for when that outer shell cracks a little bit. You know, you don't have to go and try to coach somebody who's not ready to be coached. You just need to be available to them for when the time comes and the time will definitely come. And, and is there any kind of um, besides your book? Is there, is there any kind of training or skills that somebody needs to make sure they have before they say, hey, put my, put my name in the hat for the next mentor opportunity. I want to be a mentor. Can everybody be a mentor or is there certain either personality, philosophy? Is there a specific skill set to be effective as a mentor? Yes. I, I mean, I think that anybody with some wisdom and experience can be a mentor, right? Because they have something to offer in the way of um, knowledge that a, that a younger person hasn't gained yet because they just haven't had the experiences. So I think anybody with some experiences and some wisdom could be a mentor. But like any other field or endeavor, some people are going to be better at it than others. And with a little bit of training, people can improve on, on, on their ability to be a mentor. There's I think empathy is one of the biggest uh, hallmarks of a good mentor, somebody who's willing to listen and, and not just, it's not always about teaching so much as it is always about being there, you know, and being available and listening for understanding. And then yes, maybe offering a suggestion or a thought, but more so just, you know, a counselor type relationship is is often what people really want at the initial stages of being a mentee, you know, if you will. They're not so much looking for somebody to give them all the answers, but somebody who's willing to listen to some of their problems. So if you're empathetic and a good listener, then I think that that's the first skill necessary to be a good mentor. If you want to be a really great coach, then you're going to have to learn some techniques about psychology and how to ask the right questions and how to get people to be motivated and inspired and there's lots of books that can help you with that. But really, I think anybody can get started. Well, and, and it, it kind of, I, you know, one thought I had was as I, listening to what's required is also there are people maybe who've been in the workforce for a time and said, you know, I had to I had to learn the ropes on my own. I had to, you know, walk through glass and, you know, to get you know, broken glass to, on my knees to get to this uh, level of knowledge. Why? Why should I be? putting time and energy in that new, you know, snot-nosed kid who just came out, you know, just graduated college and now is, you know, vying for my job. How, how does, especially if you're running a smaller organization, how as an owner, how do I set the stage to make that not be threatening maybe to somebody who otherwise could be a good mentor coach? I think that when people try it, they realize that there's a, a great deal of satisfaction in helping other people. I mean, if somebody says to me, I had to crawl through broken glass to get to where I am, and I just don't want these young people to have it handed to them. 
I would probably say, well, wouldn't it have been nice if there was somebody to have given you a hand and maybe swept some of that glass out of the way? And wouldn't you have appreciated it? And now that you have a chance to do that, don't you think that those people would appreciate it? And frankly, if you do that for somebody, you're probably going to get a lot more out of it than they do, because you're going to feel really good about yourself. And that's going to make you more productive. And it's going to make your company culture a lot better. And it's just going to make the atmosphere around you so much more positive that people are going to be attracted to you. So even if you don't want to do it for them, do it for yourself. Wow. Well, you know, so I'm thinking about certain roles where, uh, at least where I've experienced mentorship is like sales, right? So, right. and obviously that's a big part of your background, but sales can also be, depending on the environment, can be very cutthroat, very much more like, you know, everybody, every man for himself, every man and woman for themselves. How, how are you able to, or how should somebody, especially as a leader, establish a mentoring mindset, even in something as competitive as sales? Yeah, it is a challenge because, you know, I was telling, I was telling somebody on my team that we don't really fit the definition of a team. A team is a group of people working together for a common cause, but everybody on my team is really working towards their own mm -hmm. cause, right? They want to hit their own goals. They want to make their own money. And they don't really care that much if the other person on the team um, achieves their own achieves their goals, right? So when when I've achieved mine as an individual contributor, I don't stop achieving mine to go help you achieve yours, right? It's not right. that kind of environment. So really, my team is more of a group, right? It's a like-minded group, but it's not a team. And so how does a leader in that sort of environment uh, create a culture in which mentoring works? Well, it's it's one on one, right? Not everybody on the team is going to want to be coached by you because they may not want that sort of one on one personal relationship. Maybe maybe they're getting it from somebody else. Maybe they're a bit of a loner. Maybe their hard outer shell doesn't belie uh, anxiety underneath. Maybe they're super confident and right. maybe it's just not something they want. So. I don't think that a leader needs to worry about being a mentor to every single person on their team, right? It doesn't have to be super touchy feely. It doesn't have to create a sense where, you know, all for one and one for all. That's really not what it's about. It's about finding a person who could use your wisdom and then providing it as needed. Okay. Well, that's interesting, especially again, in those, in those kind of competitive uh, situations. So, um, something just a distinction, maybe, and I know you use the two terms kind of similarly, mentorship and coaching. Um, so let me ask it this way. Should a mentor have a specific set of outcomes they want to get out of their or they want their mentee to strive for? Should they come at it from a, like a structured, this is what I want you to be. At the end of this mentorship cycle, you will have these core competencies. Or is it looser than that? It's, it's exactly that, but the goals come from the mentee. So at the beginning of the relationship, the mentor should say, hey, I'm interested in helping you achieve your goals. What are they? And if the mentee doesn't know what their goals are, well, then that's step number one. Well, let me help you learn how to set goals. Okay. Right? Goals should be set, you know, like SMART goals. They should be specific and measurable and, you know, all the things that we've learned uh, at those many seminars about how to set goals, right? <laughs> so the goals should be the mentee's goals, not the mentor's goals, right? Otherwise, 
otherwise it's not really a mentor mentee situation anymore. Now it's something else. Okay. Well, that's interesting, right? Because otherwise it could become like, you're really being my manager. I already have one of those. I don't need right. another manager. Right. Right. And it's exactly. about, right. Okay. No, that's great. That's a good distinction there. So Tim, uh, you know, you wrote this book based on a relationship you had with a mentor as well. Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about your mentor and why all the, you know, I guess you told me it's many years later, why this person still resonated for you? Yeah. Well, because he came along at a time when I was really in a, in bad shape, uh, financially, psychologically, emotionally, I had been working at Domino's pizza right out of college. And I was instantly successful, like tremendously successful. I was a store manager. Then I became a store supervisor. Then I became a director of operations of this fast growing franchise. And we grew from 18 stores to 33 stores over the three years. I was the director and then it all came crashing down when the franchisees got into a fight about the direction of the company. And mm-hmm. so they put it into bankruptcy protection and, you know, they didn't really need me to be the director anymore. And I probably should have stepped down to be like a store supervisor, but I was way too proud to do that. And I said, I'm going to leave and I'm going to start my own company. And I started my own company with a market with the marketing director and we were art wholesalers. Now, I don't know how you go from thinking that you know what you're doing selling pizzas and delivering pizzas to knowing what you're doing as an art wholesaler, but I was very cocky in my (laughs) 20s, and that did not work, and I ended up in credit card debt. I ended up with the $20,000 credit card debt, and I, I sold all my assets. I sold my house. I sold my boat, right, and... I was living with my with my partner, my um, my business partner in his spare bedroom, and I needed to find a job. So I had to move out of his place and get in an apartment, and then I had to find a job. And I had the hardest time finding a job because I was a college dropout, and my my experience had been slinging pizzas, and that's how people saw it. They go, "Well, you know, you work for a pizza place. What what do you know about business?" Mm. And so that went on. I took odd jobs and, you know, part-time jobs and gigs and that sort of thing for the better part of a year, year and a half. And then I read a book. The book was How to Find a Job. And the book told me to make a list of everybody I knew who could help me and then call those people and explain the situation and ask for help. And so I knew a guy in Raleigh who ran a radio station by the name of Phil Zachary. And I called Phil and I said, I really need some help. I need a job. He said, our sister station in Charlotte is hiring salespeople. I'll set up an interview for you. So I went to Charlotte and I got this job. And that was when I met Dick Harlow. So I go into this job and I've got a $1,200 a month credit card payment. And I'm making $2,000 a month guaranteed against 100% commission. And the $2,000 guarantee is for the first three months only. So you can imagine the stress and anxiety that I was feeling when I took this job, about which I knew nothing, of course. And that's when Dick entered my life. And he completely turned things around for me because he taught me how sales worked and not just sales, but lots of great life lessons, right? During the three years we together, we were together, I became very successful at radio advertising sales. And it launched 
a 20 year career for me, not just in sales, but in sales management. And uh, it was the greatest thing that could ever have happened to me. And so when I found that I had extra time on my hands during this pandemic, when I wasn't allowed to travel, I thought I'm going to write this book that I've been thinking about for a long time. And it's going to be an elaborate thank you card to my mentor, Dick Carlo. So that's wow. how it Wow. And is, is Dick still around? Yeah. So Dick oh. is Dick is in his early 70s and he is the chief operating officer for a company that's coincidentally called Dick Broadcasting. Okay. Doesn't have anything to do with his name. Uh, he works out of their headquarters in Greensboro, North Carolina, and they've got radio stations in small markets like Myrtle Beach and New Bern. So they're a small independent broadcaster. And Dick is still having the time of his life mentoring people about how advertising sales works. Wow. But think, think about the impact this man had on a young person. And right. all these years later, you know, you've built a whole life based on that impact. And, you know, had you not looked back to him, which is very, you know, could have you could have gone separate ways. Dick could have been gone. Um, a lot of people, a lot of dicks in the world don't wouldn't know the impact they had. So it's so nice that you took the time to to thank him in a very big public way. Uh, the, and I'm sure the impact he had on you, a person like that, probably had similar impact on many other people along the way as That's well. That's right. That's right. Yeah. He's, I mean, I'm not special for him. You know, he's, he's mentored hundreds of people, you know, and what's really cool is now that I published his book and, you know, I promoted on LinkedIn, a lot of people who knew me back then have read the book and reached out to Dick and said, Hey, I feel the same way Tim feels. And so it's been tremendous for Dick. He, you know, he called me up and he said, he said, not a day goes by that somebody doesn't call me out of the blue and say, I read the book about you. And so it's been, it's just been tremendous. Wow. Well, Tim, also tremendous has been this opportunity for us to talk about this topic. This has been yeah, fantastic. thank you. So Tim, thank you for stopping by Business Growth on Purpose. If, if somebody wanted to know more about you, wanted to connect with you or read the book, where should they go? So the book, which looks like this, okay, is available exclusively on Amazon. You can okay. look up my name. I did. I authored it as Tim J M Rohrer, right? Here's my website. If anybody is able to see that, okay, uh, yeah, Tim J J M Rohrer. We'll have that in the show notes as well. Okay, great. Um, so yeah, so they can buy the book from Amazon. It's it's uh, sixteen ninety five and. They can check out my website and you know, if somebody wants me to come and talk to their team, I love to tell my stories. So that would be great too. Fantastic. Tim, thank you so much for stopping by. I really appreciate you sharing with us here on, on, on the show. Thank you, Jose. It's been great. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.